And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Carry on my way, one son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of Lupa's Bits. I am your host, Lupa Barty. I am not doing the AKA, I don't care what you say, you can't make me, nope, 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 you can put it in my write-up all you want, I'm not doing it, I am also affectionately known as Stephanie Barty. Okay, so I did one last week, um, I do have to, okay, first of all, I do have to admit that not having any housekeeping at the beginning of an episode is really kind of weird and I'm kind of, cause it kind of put me in the mindset for podcasting and what I was about to do and got me into that mode of work. And the reason why I bring that up is because it's kind of important and ties into what I want to talk about on this podcast. Now, last week I talked about finding your joy and how I started that journey um, many moons ago. I mean, I'm st- I get notifications like every day when you go to your Facebook and you look at your memories and I scroll back and I see, you know, today I'm going to find my joy hanging out with Bug, which is my nephew. And then, you know, the end of it. Um, and I came across a post. And I think I mentioned this last week. I had come across a post where I might have, I don't remember. Anyway, I'm going to mention it again. I came across a post that I had made, a status post that I had made, that a very good friend of mine had asked me to write down at the end of the day or to think about one thing or to do one thing every day that made me happy. And I made a promise to them that I would. So Um, I did that and doing the whole joy status thing changed my perspective on how I saw the world. Now, that very same friend is going through some life, I guess, for lack of a better term, and he's having a very hard time seeing the joy in every day, the little things. So now I have given him the challenges he did, and I gave it to him on the anniversary, the one year anniversary of him asking me to find, to do one thing that made me happy every day. So I asked him to start doing a joy status. Now I told him he doesn't have to post it, doesn't have to make it public. It's a personal thing. And I'm kind of have a selfish reason behind it. I'm doing it as a social experiment. I want to see if the effect that it had on me, if it has it on him. If, if it does change the way that he sees things, change his perspective on things. Which brings me to this week's um, topic. And it's totally bizarre. I have notes, people. I have actual notes and quotes and things that I want to share. So, yeah. Um, take a look out your window and make sure that it's not the apocalypse because this is, I swore this would never happen. And here we are. Okay. So yes, last week was finding your joy. Now in the process of finding your joy, what is going to happen is it's going to change your perspective. And I talked about last week, the friend of mine who, when things didn't look right, when things didn't feel right, he would change his perspective. He'd stand on the coffee table. He'd lay on the floor. He, would stand on the back of the couch. He would hang upside down from the couch and all in order to change your perspective. And sometimes that literally means changing your perspective, changing how you are physically seeing something. And by changing your perspective, by altering the way you're looking at a situation, you change the narrative basically. And um, one word, one tiny little word can change that entire narrative. 
So you're looking at something that you feel is impossible and you're going, I can't do this. I can't do this. Can't isn't the word that you need to change. Because at that moment in time, you may not be able to do that. You can't do it in that moment in time. Add one word. And I saw this on my friend Patty's wall. She had posted it. And I made a comment to her that that is what this week's podcast was going to be about, changing your perspective and how certain things can change your perspective. Um, And she had posted this and it was, I can't do it. Um, There were two other lines as well. And by adding one word to each sentence, it changes the meaning. It changes the perspective of the sentence. And that word was yet. So instead of saying, I can't do that, the sentence read, I can't do that yet, which means you're willing to work for it. You're willing to try. You're willing to change your perspective to find a way to make it work so that you can do it, which again, changes another word in the sentence. So I have a couple of poems like I did last week to share with you that kind of illustrate the um, different ways you can change your perspective. And the first one I'm going to read, I wrote back in 2011, uh, March 4th, 2011, and it's called Castle and Cars. So it goes like this. Struggle. It's what we do, who we are, and they say it shapes our character. We all struggle, rich and poor alike. The rich just do it in style. I don't wish for riches to have more money than needed, for I would lose my creativity. I wonder if the rich have ever taken a camp chair to the moon or raced a Kleenex box to the finish line in the Indy 500. Can they look in their cupboard and create a meal out of gravy seasoning, rice, and soup? Can they laugh until their sides split sitting under a leaky tarp? I'm sure they can, but can they appreciate the wonder of it? I do not wish for more than I need, because I can create all I want. Turn that box into a castle fit for any queen. Create a meal out of almost nothing. And to have my family asking for more. And to win the Indy 500 and have a tissue to wipe the tears. I can sit under the leaky tarp and revel in the joy of close friends. For I do not believe that it is money that makes us happy. Sure, it makes us comfortable, but not happy. It is the love of friends, sisters, brothers, family. Even in the midst of true heartache, unbearable pain, and the never-ending and the never-ending bills, we know. We have each other. For even when we fight deep inside, down in that place only a few can see, we know. We will always have each other. Now you see how I kind of changed the perspective where money is is the pivotal point. Somebody with money may look at a Kleenex box. It's just a Kleenex box. It's empty. Throw it out. Move on. Oh, you want a car to race in the Indy 500? Let's go to Walmart. Well, actually, if you're rich, let's go to Toys R Us. Let's go to um, FAO Schwartz and get a really fancy race car. If you're not, like my kids grew up, we took, um, and even when I was a kid, my Barbies had the coolest Corvette and we made out of a Kleenex box. Kleenex box and toilet paper rolls. That's all it was. Kleenex box. But I used my imagination. So that's the, the perspective that I'm, I'm saying is that instead of looking at something like, I don't have this because I don't have this... Look at what you have around you and make what you want. Change your perspective. So, okay. So the next one I want to read is kind of, um, it was again in 2011 and I think it was 2011. Yeah, it was 2011. Okay. Okay. And things were pretty rough in 2011. Didn't have a whole lot of money in 2011. I was sick in 2011. And like I said in last week's post, I went through some really dark times. 
And I found poetry for me, writing poetry, uh, good or bad, that's all a matter of perspective, uh, comes very easily to me. And it was a medium that I used to put a lot of emotions down that I was dealing with. And this one um, actually spoke about a particular morning, a particular day um, that I was having a... I was struggling. I was really struggling with my life and where it was. And that's where this came from. And it was the writing of this poem that made me change my perspective. Words changed my perspective. So it's called, Is This What I Wished For? Woke up this morning, head spinning, with life's latest crisis. I stumbled down to my kitchen for that first cup of liquid life. As I desperately clung to my cup, I surveyed my empire, the heart of my kingdom. Scattered with the remnants of breakfast, dryer sheets lounged lazily on the floor, snubbing their noses at me. For having escaped, if only for a moment, their final fate of heat register heaven. I wandered into my living room, all sad and faded looking in the pale morning light. The laundry that had taken up residence in the chair waved at me, looking for all it was worth like it belonged. My third or fourth hand couch, frayed at the corners, offered comfort to my desolate soul. My kingdom? My my empire? What I dreamed of as a little girl? Is this it? Was my imagination so lacking that this is what I wished for? No, it wasn't. My empire, my very legacy, wasn't in a faded carpet or cluttered surfaces. It wasn't in the unfinished laundry or the dirty dishes. My immortality lay sleeping upstairs. It lay at school, struggling to learn math. And it lay with a boy, man, trying to make it on his own. For in my childish dreams, in my girlhood fantasies, I had wished for love. I had wished for a love that I thought was beautiful before coffee. Love that had patience when I was not. Tolerant when I was not. Unwavering when I was not. And I found it in the dirty dishes from my daughter's breakfast, in the dryer sheets from the load of laundry my husband did, on the faded carpet where my sons and I wrestled and laughed, and on the desolate couch where we curled as a family. That is my kingdom, my empire, my little piece of immortality. So, by looking at what caused the frayed couch and the faded carpet and the dirty dishes and the dryer sheets and the laundry looking beyond seeing that specific thing, seeing past the pile of laundry and the fact that at that time my husband cared and he did the laundry instead of expecting me to do the laundry or waiting for me to do the laundry. He did the laundry. Okay. That's what I wished for. The faded carpet. It was faded. It was horrible. There were bare spots from years of walking back and forth on it and wear and tear. But I could point to pretty much every corner of that carpet and tell you a story. That's where the boys and I lay. And I had made, taken a piece of paper and we had drawn the constellations on this piece of paper and we took um, a pin and poked holes in the paper and then we turned all the lights off in the house, covered all the windows because we have a street light right out in front of the house. So we covered the windows with blankets and we took a flashlight and we put it on the floor and we put the sheet of paper above the flashlight and we laid on the floor and we looked at the constellations on the ceiling of the living room. Um, (laughs) I remember times when I would come home from work and all the furniture in the living room would be pushed off to the sides because, and at the time it was WWF, but anyway, wrestling was on that night. It was SummerSlam or it was, I don't know, something on pay-per-view. And if it was happening on my TV, it was happening on my living room floor. And my husband would be down on the floor, both of the kids on his back, on his shoulders, whipping them around, doing some kind of crazy move that they had just seen on TV. During that time, the line in my house was, do not do this at home. But they did. Anyway, 
I digress. Change the perspective. So the house was old and worn looking. The kitchen was full of dirty dishes, but my kids were fed. They had clean clothes. They were at school. There were memories filled that house, that carpet, that couch. Change the perspective. I no longer saw what I didn't have. I no longer saw what was lacking. But I did see what I did have. And it changed my perspective. All right. This one... This one plagued me for a long time. And I was going to say, yeah, I better come up because I can't read it to you from memory. That's, that's one thing with my poetry. Once it is down and it is out of my head and it is on paper, and I write all of my poems on paper, and then I put them on the computer. Just my poems. My stories go straight to the computer, but my poetry gets written on paper. And it's an interesting process, which I will explain someday. Anyway, um, this particular poem, I was having a problem with what I was going to leave behind. I was struggling with a book I was writing and I couldn't get past chapter nine. And let me tell you, I sat at chapter nine for the better part of 14 years. The first nine chapters, boom, they were there. They were done. And I'm looking around and I'm thinking, I'm never going to finish this book. So there goes my opportunity to leave my mark on the world. I've done nothing special, nothing big, nothing huge in my life. I don't do charity work. I'm a little lazy. I don't do public speaking. I'm not, I wasn't a health, mental health advocate or a big one. I didn't speak out. I didn't protest. I didn't do anything political. I didn't do anything within, um, at the time, my church. Nothing. There was nothing spectacular about my life. And I was trying to wonder, trying to figure out how I was going to leave my, my life, how I was going to leave my mark. And it was a story from one of my closest, dearest most beautiful friends, um, Dana Rondeau, an issue girl. And she had led a fantastic and amazing and adventurous life. She had gone on so many excursions and adventures, and she was a get-up-and-go girl. You'd say, hey, I want to go on a road trip. And she'd be like, okay, and she had a go bag. She'd just pick up the bag, and she would go. And she'd be ready to go. And she was the best passenger one of the best passengers. I think it's the name Dana because my other sister, my other best friend Dana, is an amazing passenger. And she had told this song, there's a story, and it kind of hit me, you know, she is going to leave a heck of a legacy. Little did I know that um, a few years later, we would be discussing all of her wild adventures at her um, celebration of life. But she left quite a legacy of adventure and um, grandiose oh, things that she did. And then I can't even remember the song, but I have, I have a connection to lyrics in songs and songs. And I, I feel the lyrics strongly sometimes. And I heard a song and it kind of hit me. And that's where this, this particular poem came from because I was really struggling. And a story and a song changed my perspective. So this one's called Mark My Words. The lyrics of a song and the tale of the fantastic life of a sister made me wonder what my legacy would be. Will I make my mark and leave a space or fade off into the shadows, a passing thought on a day full of hearts? What kind of memory do I want to be? Do I want to be remembered for me? Some grand tragedy bemoaned and wailed. Then, words. Words came to me. 
flowing into my head, bouncing around on all my uncertainties, tickling my insecurities, and rapping sharply between my eyes. When I'm gone, my mark won't matter. My space won't be empty. Life will continue and the wheel will turn. Children will grow, have children of their own, and I will become a picture in a book, put away on a shelf. The time is now and the space is here. The mark I make are my words. The love I share with those I choose. The hands I hold with care. They are my legacy. They are my place. They are what I will leave behind. Each moment I have, each breath that I take is a journey. On a road that only my feet can tread. What I carry with me is what matters now. When I look in the mirror and the goddess looks back from my eyes. When I start every battle with the answer to what love would do, I will create my legacy and carve out my mark. The words that I write, the ones floating in my head, are my guides on the journey I take. They tell my story in pieces and bits, the highs, the lows, and the glory. They say to live each day like you were dying, but I say, live each day like you were living. Live your life by rules that you you make. Blech. By rules that make you work. Creeds that make it hard. Forgive when you can't. Love when you won't. Help when you need it the most. For life is too short to carry a grudge and a chip belongs in a cookie. Frowns cause you wrinkles and hate makes you tired and rage is the tool of a rookie. My words may not rhyme or always make sense, but they are my own to leave behind. I thank the gods for a gift so precious for the windows into my mind. Change your perspective. You know, I'm going to keep saying that because I want you to change your perspective. If you are in a place where things seem very bleak, very dark, and you can't see the way out, change your perspective. Look at it. You can even look at it from somebody else's point of view. Try and look at it from a child's point of view. You're an adult. You have children. You're doing everything that you can to make their life as best as you can. We're not perfect. We're human. But you're struggling. Maybe it's the situation you're living in. Maybe it's your financial situation. Maybe, you know, you're living covid you're living in a, in a place where you're in a relationship you don't want to be in and you don't know how to get out. Change your perspective. Look at it from the other side. Maybe the other person feels the same way. Maybe the child that you're building the life for already thinks they have a wonderful life, that they've had a wonderful life up to that point. Maybe your living situation is only temporary and there is a way to fix it. Oh, there is a way to change it. Change your perspective. Look at things differently. Don't see the negative. Try and see the positive in that negative. So the last poem I'm going to read to you. Where are we? How are we sitting for time? Because I tried not to talk too fast. I'm only 22 minutes in. Good gravy. Okay. So the last poem I'm going to read to you, if I can get comfortable. See, I'm not broadcasting. I'm not podcasting from the boudoir anymore. And I could podcast from my boudoir here, but it's just over there. And for some bizarre reason, I get on that bed and I get really sleepy. So unless you want 45 minutes to an hour of me trying not to yawn, we are going to do it from the kitchen table, which is still technically in the boudoir because it's all one big room in the trailer. But anyway, so I'm going to be moving around a little bit, trying to get comfortable because I spend an awful lot of time sitting here. Okay. This one kind of was inspired by a song. <laughs> and... um it was inspired by a Jars of Clay song. Oh, oh! what is the name of that song? I think the name of that song is They Say. 
I think. Let me find it. We are going to go to the Google machine. Do not type Google machine when you are typing, trying to Google a song. Ah, tell you where my brain is today. Yes, I'm beating on my keys. I get told I beat on my keys all the time. It's a thing. It's what I do. My keys are used to it. They need to be abused. It's a, it's a, a I don't know, dominant submissive relationship I have with my keyboard. If I don't hit them hard enough, they don't respond. So, you know. Okay. We need some Jeopardy music. Okay, so it's not, they say. Oh, no, no, no. It's, 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 um, oh, I'm going to have to sing the song. Um, um, something to do with a child. <laughs> I'm horrible. I'm horrible. And, and it, the thing is, is it's one of my favorite songs. Yes, it is a Christian song. I'm not biased when it comes to music. I'm not, I'm not biased. I'm not, you know, I am open to everything. Um, I'm still looking for the name of that song and it's going to like drive me crazy until I find it. <sighs> Faith like a child. Yes. <laughs> I found it. Okay. So, um, that song, I don't know. It impacted me really. And I mean, I still listen to it today. And again, we're going back to early 2000s, mid 2000s. Um, it still impacts me today. That song, Change Your Perspective. That song changes your perspective. The lyrics to that song are talking about changing your perspective. See things differently. Have faith that you can do it. That it will get better. And sometimes faith will change your perspective. Faith in yourself. Faith in something bigger than you. Faith in other people. Faith in hard work and honesty. Change your perspective. That is like the theme. And it's going to be the title of this because I have said it so many times. And I know Dave so well. This is going to be the title of this podcast, Change Your Perspective. If it's not, it's because I said it was going to be the title of this podcast and he's decided he's going to prove me wrong. He's going to change my perspective. So, um, yeah. So this poem kind of came, was born out of that song. And whether you like Christian music, whether you like religious music, whether you like hard rock, whether you like soft rock, whether you like pop or country, blues, whatever. I do recommend going and giving this song a listen. It's called Faith of a Child by Jars of Clay. And listen to the lyrics. Don't Put anything else attached to it. Just listen to the words and see if it doesn't change your perspective. It doesn't change something. Because it did for me. So this poem is called Some Say. Some say to lift your heart will make your burdens seem smaller than they are. Some say to force a smile will lift your spirits higher than they are. Some say it's always worse for someone else. Some say just stop thinking of yourself. But I say my heart is too heavy to carry on my own. But I say my spirit has yet to find a home. But I say it's not them who face my pain. But I say it's not their life that's starting to fade. Some say, 
do for others before you take things for yourself. Some say, take your insecurities and put them on a shelf. Some say, each day is a gift, not a guarantee. Some say, look beyond your own back door and you will see. But I say, I need others to get me through the day. But I say, my fear just won't go away. But I say, I need more time, more days for you and me. But I say, who's there looking back for me? Each day I fight, each day I pray. Each smile I force brightens someone else's day. Little by little, I'm starting to fade, lying in a bed that I never made. I will smile and fight, face each moment with forced laughter and light, battle this burden weighing heavy down on me, and just hope that in this darkness I will see. Yeah, it wasn't a happy one. It wasn't, I told you, it wasn't a happy time. And I was trying to change my perspective. I had just been recently, I do believe that was written around the time I was diagnosed with um, my heart condition. So that would have been about 10 years ago. So that kind of, I was trying to change the perspective of people were telling me, keep your chin up, you know, keep smiling and you'll make it through. You'll be all right. Just don't worry, but stop stressing about things you can't control. Stop stressing about, you know, when I was first diagnosed, I was facing surgery. I was facing artificial valves and they're telling me, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. Don't do this. Don't do that. Blah, 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 blah. And I was angry. I was very, very angry because that's not fair. So that is where that poem came from, and it changed my perspective. I was entitled to feel every single thing I was feeling. And by writing it down in words, it gave me the strength and the courage and the power to say, you know what, no, I am not going to fake it till I make it. I'm not going to pretend I'm okay, because I'm not. So that's where that one came from. And... I read those poems to you because I wanted to illustrate how words can change your perspective. Reading somebody else's words, writing your own words, seeing um, a meme on Facebook, which is kind of what started the idea for this podcast. Um, last week's, I was told, I want you to talk about this. And I went, oh, all right, that's kind of a good idea. So I did. And it kind of led, I saw, I was already thinking about an idea for this week's podcast to kind of tie into finding your joy. And I saw a meme on Facebook about changing your perspective. And, um, I went with it and I made notes. I wrote things down and changing the perspective, changing how you see things changes the narrative of your life. It changes the narrative of the story that you are currently living. Because if you are miserable and you're angry and you're depressed and you're frustrated, changing your perspective on the situation you're in changes the narrative. Yes, you may be angry, but look at why you're angry. Look at what's causing your anger. Okay, you've identified the cause of your anger. You've changed your perspective because now you're no longer just angry. Now there is something that you have to look at, something that you have to work on, something that you have to overcome. Not an obstacle, but a challenge. There's another word. Don't look, and I used this on a friend this week, actually. <laughs> Don't look at things as obstacles. Look at them as challenges to overcome. Obstacles, yes, you have to overcome obstacles. That's why you go to an obstacle course. They put things in your way and you have to overcome them. But those obstacles all put together create what? They create a challenge. So look at obstacles. Look at things that are preventing you from doing what you want to do, from being where you want to be, from feeling how you want to feel as challenges that you need to overcome change your perspective. 
telling you, if this is not the title for this episode, I know it was done on purpose. So, okay, so that's the poems. And that is to illustrate how you change your perspective by words. A lot of times for me, I will be in a mood, be it a foul mood, be it a sad mood, be it a depressed or lonely mood, some kind of dark mood. And for me personally, the way I change my perspective, I listen to music. Um, Sometimes the music doesn't always cooperate with me and I have to, um, uh, you know, I'm skipping some, nope, 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 not this one, nope, not this one, nope, not this one. And you skip them enough times, eventually um, iTunes is going to say, do you want to remove this from your library? No, because there will be a day that I'm going to be in a mood and I'm going to need to hear that one. So leave it there. Today is not that day. And the last 15 days have not been those days. But yeah, I've been asked a couple of times. There's a few songs on my playlist that are kind of, um, I call them tear duct maintenance because there are occasions when I do need a good, solid, right from the bottom of my heart cry. So those are the ones that I turn to. I have a song list that says tear duct maintenance. I put that song list on. I grab a box of Kleenex. I grab some water because I'm going to be a little dehydrated by the time I'm done. And I ball my eyes out. And I cry. And I get asked sometimes, are you okay? What's wrong? And it's really hard to explain that I just need to cry. I just need to release that buildup of emotion of things that have been going on. And it happens sometimes when you have a lot of things coming at you very fast. And for me, that release changes my perspective. I have a good cry, pull myself together, dry my face, usually change my shirt because, you know, tears dripping wet anyway. And I feel lighter. I feel better. I feel stronger. And then I relook at what is causing the issue. And I go, okie dokie. This is how we're going to deal with it or how we're going to try. I change my perspective. I come at it from a different angle, but I need to have that release first. And you can find that release a number of ways. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. You can figure it all out on your own. You can go jogging, you can go work out at the gym, you can have a good cry, you can watch some inspirational movies, you can listen to some music, you can find other ways to do it. But when things start building up, sometimes the best way to change your perspective is to release it. I'm not generally a crier, so by... Having that really good, heart-wrenching, sobbing, got a ball up my pillow and scream into my pillow, get it out, it changes my perspective, changes my mood, changes my, my attitude, changes my thought patterns. So, so far, the things that I've talked about, changing your perspective and changing the narrative you can do that through words. And some ways to do that through words are books, reading an inspirational book, reading an uplifting book, reading a how-to book. Words. Poetry. Poetry will will work. Poetry can work. If you like poetry. If you don't like poetry, it's just going to make you foul. And you're just going to be... So if you're not into poetry, don't turn to poetry. Song lyrics. Everybody, everybody, I haven't met one person yet. And if there is a person on the face of this earth that doesn't like music in some form, they are not from this planet. They can't be. They have to be an alien. Because we are musical creatures. Everything we do has some kind of cadence to it. Some kind of musical cadence. So, music. Find your style of music. Find the type of music that you like. Whether it is death metal, whether it is garage grunge band, whatever. 
and try and listen to the lyrics. Now, some of them, you might have to kind of go outside of what you like, if you like that screaming stuff that you can't really understand. Um, open yourself to different types of music. Listen to the words. Even if you don't like the style of music, even if you don't like the the instrumental part of the song, listen to the words. Google the words if you have to. I did that the other day, and I sent friend of mine, she really, really, really doesn't like country. Really doesn't like country. And she has a couple of country songs on her playlist. And I just kind of, you know, when she tells me she's listening to Kane Brown, I'm like, "Mm, girlfriend's been over, hasn't she? And she laughs and, 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 you know, says, it's not really country. New country isn't really country. Okay, fine. So I sent her the lyrics to a song called Dear Me. And it's kind of a reminder of things that you, we as women, even, but as a person in general, to remind yourself of, yeah, we're not perfect. We are flawed. We are, some of us, broken. We are stumbling and making mistakes on this journey from birth to death, because that's what it is. It's a journey from birth to death. It's what you do in between that matters because birth is guaranteed. Death is guaranteed. You can't change those two facts, but you can change the in between. And it's a reminder that you're not perfect. You're not going to ever be perfect. We're not here to be perfect. We're perfect after we are here to learn all the things that we need to learn in this lifetime so that we can be perfect after. But we're beautiful in our imperfections. We are imperfectly perfect. We are fantastically flawed. Change perspective. I've started changing my perspective, not just in my mindset, but being comfortable in my own skin, which is something... I have struggled with my entire life. I've always been short. Um, I hit puberty hard when I was in grade five, grade six, where all my friends were wearing training bras. I was shopping over in the adult section. And I was only maybe 85 pounds, 100 pounds. By the time I hit high school, yeah. Um, So I've always had things that have made me self-conscious. I have always had things that have made me uncomfortable. It made me want to hide. And trust me, I really, really, really good at body camouflage. I am good at finding clothing that hides the imperfections and um, accents the better parts. For the longest time, it was baggy t-shirts, baggy sweaters, baggy pants, track pants, uh, jammy pants. And then... Um, I started wearing leggings. I got brave and I started wearing leggings. Because I could wear long baggy shirts to cover my butt, cover my belly, cover, you know, the tops of my thighs. And I looked really cute. You know. And big bulky hoodies were my favorite because I could put the hood up. And I could kind of hide my face and my hair and I'd have the long sleeves or hide my hands because I got really stubby little fingers. I don't, I don't like my hands. Um, I like them when I have pretty nails, but I think it's the nails that I like, but I'm changing my perspective on that. And as I've gotten older, I've, especially like the last two years, I'd say, maybe the last five years, um, probably from about 
38, 39. No, 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 no. <laughs> Actually forgot how old I was. <laughs> so let's try that again. Probably about 43, 44. Um, I started liking myself. I had changed my perspective. And what other people, the first thing that I did was stopped caring what other people thought of me. Stopped caring about whether or not so-and-so thought I was pretty, whether or not so-and-so thought I was fat or short, which I'm sorry, I can, the only way I can change being short is if I wear heels. And all you tall people, you all can't change your height. I can be tall for a while and then I can change my perspective and take my shoes off. So, um, being short is something I've always struggled with because my sister is tall and willowy and graceful and um, my cousins are tall and willowy and graceful and my aunt was tall and willowy, willowy and graceful and then there's me and my mom and we're short and we're stumpy. <laughs> we're little. And for the longest time, I was round. Round's a shape. But I needed to change my perspective. I needed to stop looking at the negative parts of myself. Because not all of them were as bad as I had them made out to be in my head. So I needed to change my perspective. I needed to find one thing. And that's where I started. I needed to find one thing that I liked about myself. To start changing the narrative. Instead of saying... You know, my forehead's too big. My nose is too big. My lips are too thin. My belly's too fat. My boobs are too big. Whatever. I needed to find one thing that I could say was beautiful. One thing that I could say I liked. And I did. I found that one thing. And that was my eyes. I really like my eyes. Now, I don't always... I'm not... I say that and then the first thing I think of is I don't like the color. So I'm right back to where I started where I'm, you know picking something wrong. I do have a unique color. They do change color. Um, they're hazel for the most part, but sometimes there's flecks of gold that you can really see. Sometimes they're kind of a moss forest green. Um, I was told yesterday my eyes were really green yesterday. And sometimes they're really, really brown to the point where they're almost black. Um, those are usually the days that you don't want to poke the bear. Um, but I like the way they were shaped. I like the way I, I had to, I, I sat for many days, not all at once, but it took me many days, probably weeks of sitting in front of a mirror and really looking at my eyes, looking past the face and looking at my eyes. And I would take pictures of them, you know, with the sun hitting them at a certain angle so I could see all the colors in them. And... I would put um, eyeliner on and, and mascara and try and make them look pretty, look different. And I, I don't, eyeshadow is, is beyond my capabilities. It's not something I'm good at. I can do the eyeliner. I can do the mascara, the eyeshadow. I end up looking like Mimi from the Drew Carey show sometimes. Um, but I do live with a lovely Mary Kay representative who's going to teach me how to do makeup. So that could possibly change. But I, need, I, I needed to change my perspective on how I looked because I had stopped caring about how I looked. I didn't care what my hair looked like. I didn't care if I wore makeup. I didn't care if I was going to Walmart in a ripped t-shirt that had, you know, last night's dinner stains on it or something. I didn't care. And my dad made a comment to me. I think part of my issues with how I looked is, and I know it was said with the best of intent, and I'm working on changing the perspective of how I look at what was said. The only time I would get complimented on my appearance um, when I was younger and into my 20s, and into my 30s, and even, you know, into my 40s, um, was when I would dress up, and I would have, you know, 
the nice fancy clothes on and I would have the hair done and I would have the makeup done. Like I would do my makeup and I would do my hair and, you know, my dad would see me and he, oh, you look nice. Okay, I've just spent five hours to look like this, but I look nice. Not pretty, not beautiful. I looked nice. And I kind of got it into my head that I am never going to be that beautiful girl. I'm never going to be that pretty girl. And I'm not by, by standards. Um, but to some I am. I can be. And I can be other things. But it took me a long time to change my perspective. My dad was very... I mean a few words. So for him to say I looked nice... To him, that was a big compliment. And it took me a long time. It took me, sadly, until after his death to realize that that's what it meant. He said something the day I got married that bothered me for... (sighs) 15 years? 20? Well, no. 15 years? Yeah, 15 years. And... Some of you may not know, I've been married twice, and the first the first marriage didn't last very long. I was 18 at the time, and yeah. <laughs> and the whole time we were walking down the aisle, my dad was legitimately trying to talk me out of it. Um, I probably should have listened. But when I married my ex, um, my second husband, he shook his hand after... Um, we had signed the papers and, you know, everybody's congratulating everybody and you do all the hugs and all that stuff. And he shook Phil's hand and he said, well, she's your problem now. And for the longest time that bothered me, I'm a problem. I'm somebody's problem. And now I'm no longer his problem. I've been handed over to somebody else to be their problem. And again, it took a long time. For me to change the perspective on how I said, how I viewed, and how I thought about what he said. My dad was a man of very few words. He struggled with emotion. He struggled with words. He wasn't a very smart man. Not book smart. Not eloquent smart. You would take him to a dinner party and he would barely say two words. People kind of thought he was a bit of a snob. Because he didn't really say much, but he didn't know how to react in situations like that. And once I started remembering that, and once I started looking at that, I reanalyzed his comment. And it wasn't that I was a problem. He was making a joke because he was feeling a strong emotion. And he was telling the man I had just married that... He was good enough. Finally, he was good enough for me, for his daughter. So it changed the perspective. It changed how I looked at what he had said. And when I did that and I started looking at it that way, (laughs) totally freaked him out because I just, I got in my car. I drove over to the house. I walked into the house and I just wrapped my arms around my dad and I hugged him. And he's kind of standing. He wasn't a huggy person. He's kind of standing there with his arms straight up in the air going, what are you doing? What is wrong? <laughs> Nancy, calling for my mother because he thought something was wrong. And I just, you know, had my arms wrapped around his waist, squeezed him as tight as I could, told him, I love you, dad. And I left. And that was that. I just, I left. And my mom called me about half an hour later and she's like, okay, your father is incredibly confused. What happened? So I explained to her that I finally looked at what he had said differently. Now, it still bothered me. Um, He had said many things over the years that I was working through. And finally, like I said, it bothered me for like 15 years. And he's been gone for 12 now. Um, Because it still bothered me after he had gone. But that day, it didn't. And then 
about 15, about five years ago, mom and I were talking and I brought that up to her and, um, I told her what I, the conclusion I had come to. And then, you know, that insecurity creeps back in. And I talked to mom and she told me, no, no, that is exactly what he meant. Exactly what he meant. My dad was a man of few words, so, you know, you never knew. So it kind of, again, flipped the perspective back to where it was the day that I drove over there and hugged him. But I let my insecurities, I let my paranoia, I let my doubts, I let that voice in my head that likes to tell me things are not the way that I think they are take over. And that's the voice that you need to change. That's the perspective that you need to change. Sometimes you got to take that perspective, that voice, and you got to beat the living crap right out of it because it'll keep talking and you will be trying your hardest to change your perspective. You'll be doing everything to change your perspective and it'll still be whispering in your ear. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not strong enough. You're never going to do it. You're never going to get out. You're never going to succeed. And that's where finding your joy comes in. Because focusing on the little things that you have done in the day that has made you happy. Be it making somebody else happy. And it brought you joy to make them happy. That's still making you happy. That's still bringing you joy. Changing your perspective. Finding something every day to do to make you happy changes your perspective on how you see that day. You crawl into bed at the end of the day and you're like, oh my God, what an awful day. I can't believe I went through everything I went through today and I had to do everything that I did today. and It was the worst day ever. And then you stop. And you remember... You made your kid laugh. Or if you're a writer like I am, you slammed out close to 3,000 words in about two and a half hours and they were good and you were proud of them. Or you made the perfect cup of coffee in the morning. Sometimes it's just that small. And it changes the perspective. The day wasn't a complete and total write-off. Where are we sitting for time? Oh, okay. I was complaining at 22 minutes, and we are now sitting at 57 minutes. So apparently I didn't have a problem filling the last, you know, however many minutes. But my point is, don't get yourself stuck in one emotion. Change your perspective. Change it through movies. Change it through music. Change it through books, through memes, through poetry. Talk to a friend. Change your perspective. Write it down. Something anything to change how you look at something because it will change how you feel about something. So that is my TED talk for this week. (laughs) Tune in next week to see what new, I don't know, maybe I'll just babble next week and tell you, I don't know. I got some pretty funny stories. I actually, I told um, Crystal that she was going to end up in my podcast tonight and surprisingly she didn't. Because just as I was leaving um, the bakehouse to come over to my trailer, her trailer, my trailer, because I'm living in it, um, to do the podcast, uh, she yawned. (laughs) And she yawned so big and so hard, it actually knocked her off balance. You know, she sucked in enough air that it altered her equilibrium and she almost fell face first onto the floor. And yeah... Um, there were tears. I was laughing so hard. She's yawning and laughing, which if you've ever had that happen, it is an odd experience to yawn and laugh at the same time. You make the weirdest sounds. She sounded something between a cross between a wounded moose and a cow learning how to moo. It was the weirdest noise. Anyway, there you go, Crystal. (laughs) I love you because I know she listens. I'm on Spotify now, so I know she listens. Um, but yeah, she, uh, it was pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I still, I still can see her in my mind and I've yawned that big too, where, you know, I've kind of wobbled back on and, you know, 
people are looking at me like, how much have you had to drink? I'm like, dude, I am stone cold sober. I am the driver. I'm just tired. So change your perspective. That is the message for this week. Change your perspective. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on Facebook at um, Lupa's Bits, the podcast. You can find me. I'm usually, you can get a hold of me through the World of Myth magazine because, you know, I work for them. And you can get a hold of me at my public page, Stephanie Bart, Stephanie J. Barty. You can find me on Instagram at, uh, what the heck is my Instagram? Bits, at Bits Lupa. I think that's my, that might be my Twitter. Um, I think it's Lupa's Bits on Instagram. And you can find me, um, Stephanie Barty author on Instagram. I'm on Twitter at Lupa's Bits the podcast. I am on TikTok at Lady Lou Who. And if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen my TikToks. So come on over. And yeah, so check out. Oh, got to do a plug because, you know, the 15th was three days ago, four days ago. And I need should be editing and I'm going to be editing. I'm going to get to the editing. I promise I'm going to get to the editing. So anyway, go and check out www.theworldofmyth.com and see all the fantastic things we have over there. Make sure you listen to The World of Myth Bits because they are kicking it over there on that podcast. Holy, they keep me entertained, let me tell you. They get into some pretty deep stuff and I am thoroughly enjoying being a listener for a change. Instead of being the one to talk at you, I am enjoying being a listener. And don't forget, every single Wednesday, you can check out My Public Life as an American Nerd and learn all the nerdy stuff you need to know and some really creepy toys. I've seen pictures of these creepy toys. They are really creepy toys. Um, and that's it. Monday's The World of Myth Bits. Wednesday's My Public Life as an American Nerd. And me, Lupus Bits on Friday. So, all right, until next week, I will... Talk to you all later. See ya. Carry on our way, well, son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest.